Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God, and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> it uh, gets a little humbling when you get introduced like that. You think, who's he talking about? Anyway, so I'm... You know, God's good. But it was a journey getting here. We uh, came over on Thursday. So we're Melbourneites. We, 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 we've lived in Melbourne for many years, but... Um, Last year, uh, we were speaking at a conference in Adelaide and uh, after we spoke at the conference and Jane painted the conference, we had eight prophetic words in eight days to move to Adelaide. And uh, God and I had a conversation around that. I said, surely you spell Adelaide, S-U-N-S-H-I-N-E-C-O-A-S-T, like... I want to go to Adelaide. Like, why Adelaide? Now, you know, I've had plenty of opportunity to be in Adelaide over the years because my mum's over there. My brother's been there for 30 years. Um, They've got a vineyard and winery over there, a good one. Um, There's plenty of opportunity to be in Adelaide. We would go and visit and then come back. And then when God said, I want you to go to Adelaide, has anybody ever been in a situation where God asks you to do something and you're going, surely you're not talking to me, God. Surely you're, you know, it's someone else that you're asking to do things. Well, he's got a way of, of moving and doing stuff. So in the church that we, we now belong to, over there at Field of Dreams, um, it's a very strong prophetic church. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. But we bought... Uh, just recently, you know, we, we were doing a series on revival and what did revival look like and what does it look like in Australia. And uh, <laughs> so as we're talking through that, it's a place called Moonta, which is on the Copper Coast on the York Peninsula. A 150-year-old Methodist church came up for sale and it still had its original pews and its original building an original pipe organ and beautiful stone. A little bit of work needed to be done on it. Came up for sale. So there's a, a church. Uh, our pastor Todd said, "Okay, we need to do a raise. We have a week, to, and whatever we raise in that week, we're going to offer." And we ended up buying that building. We've got that. We started services in it about three months ago, and we were the first service was over 500 people. And that was, you know, our church and the community, you know, and it's now we're, we're now in weekly services there, which is really, really exciting. Um, it's not that many people there at the moment, but we believe something incredible is going to break out because 
a hundred years ago, <laughs> doesn't sound like much, right? A hundred years ago, they had revival in Munta. They had a church of 3,000 people meeting every night in this wow. building. They had extended meetings. We didn't have cars. This is people came on horses or they walked or they somehow got to church. And there's photos out there of just masses and masses of people. So it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time in Australia. And Jane and I, and, and, and being back at a CRC is, is really interesting because um, CRC was the first time I walked into a church. So down near Geelong, I was 14 and I didn't have any Christian background on either side of the family. And uh, there was a girl I wanted to go out with. And she said, hey, if you want to go out with me, you've got to come to church with me. And I thought, well, how hard can that be? Right? All the men are laughing. <laughs> what we do, right? So I went to church for the first time. And I've stepped foot in this church, CRC. It was 1978, middle of the Jesus movement. Loud music, swinging off chandeliers, crazy place. I'm walk, walking in with no thought of what a church is thinking. Oh, this place is crazy. So I've just walked into a cult. So they're going to take me as a sex slave. <laughs> that, that, seriously, that was my thoughts at 14. I have no idea why, because I don't know anything about that at 14. But anyway... There's my thoughts of you know going into a church, and I, I, I walk in to the building, and uh, I think still freaked out, all those thoughts running in my head, and then I hear an audible voice from the Lord, and He said, "You'll build businesses that will change the world, and bring many to Me." Now, what does a 14-year-old who's already freaked out and thinking I'm in some sort of cult? And then you hear a word. Now I'm looking going, who said that? I ran. <laughs> I left, didn't go out with that girl, you know. <laughs> As you would, you run. And then God pursued me. And I, I listened to Jane speak a couple of weeks ago and she talked about God pursuing. And he's pursuing each one of us. And then, you know, so we have, we've run businesses, we've had the privilege of travelling to 107 nations. Um, and that got stopped a couple of years ago because something happened. <laughs> I don't know, just breaks on everything. Um, in, in March 2020, I felt the Lord say, you won't be doing international travel till 2023. So that was okay, we could park for a little bit and see what was, what was going to happen. But I feel that there's something quite incredible about to happen in Australia. You know, that, that will come from Australia to other parts of the world. It will come from Australia to change things. Hey, good morning, Dave. How are you? Dave's from our church and Field of Dreams. He's come over to do some work in Melbourne for a while. So thanks for coming along. And God's just got a plan of doing some stuff. He's going to change some things. He's going to change some people's hearts. And you guys are wondering why am I carrying these keys? Right. A friend of this house, Gary Morgan, 
Now, you all know Gary. Gary and, and Sarah are really good friends. Jane and I were travelling to Cambodia uh, for some land that we bought over there, and Gary rings me. Now, we've done enough travel that I know how long it takes to get to the airport, and I know how long it, it, we've got to leave so that we can get through customs and do all of that, and we cut it fine. But Gary rings and said, hey, you still home? I said, yep, just about to get in the car. And he goes, can you wait there? I've got something I need to give you. Sure, but you better hurry, Gary. So he, Gary drives over and he pulls up and he says, so I was in the shower this morning praying for you and I thought, no, too much information. <laughs> like, no. Anyway, and uh, I felt the Lord say that I needed to, and he had these in his hands, he said, I needed to give you these keys. And said, the Lord said you're to take them with you wherever you go and wherever you share, because you and Jane are going into a season of unlocking. He said they're the keys to the kingdom. They're prophetic keys to unlock things in people's lives. They're prophetic keys to change. So we have, we've carried these keys, and they're, they're a small set of keys, right? You know, they, 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 you know small, this big one, this big one, and it really mucks with the sound people because I do that. <laughs> Don't do that, sound people. The big one is a keys to a kingdom economy, keys to finances, keys to change in people's worlds. Because as Matt said, we need money. You know, I, 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 I've tried digging up rocks, you know, I've worked in the back garden, spent an hour digging a rock out. I've put it in the back of the car. I've taken it down to Coles, bought a whole lot of groceries and then tried to pay for it with a rock. It didn't work. <laughs> I needed money to pay for it. I've done an hour and a half's work. Surely that was worth something. But so it's the key to a kingdom economy. And it's not just about money. It's about the way we live and the way we do things. The pretty one, one with all of those there, nice pretty one, that's the key to relationships and reconciliation where we're going to unlock and change some things there. And, and we're seeing amazing things around the world happen. And the other one there... Is keys to the mind. Because we actually need to unlock our mind. We need to come into a different place, a different way to think, a different way to live. Because God's asked us to live differently. So we carry them wherever we go now. We, we've had funny experiences at the airport. This time in Adelaide, we come through and I've got my black bag and we go through the scanner. Beep. And I can see the keys in their little x-ray machine thing. And as they do, whose bag is this? That's mine. What's in there? And I said, it's keys. She pulls them out and they're sitting next to my Bible, so now my Bible's out and my keys are out. And she said, are you a preacher? I said, yep. She said, are they keys to the kingdom? I said, yes, they are. And she said, do you use them to preach with? I said, yes. She said, that's really good. And she goes, to the other lady, see these keys? They're keys of the kingdom. <laughs> just, just talking through the check-in and we're going, and it's like, okay. But it's happened in other places. We were in Brazil. These keys were in that bag and we were asked to speak and I took some bottles of wine as gifts to the people that we were going to preach for. But I put them in my carry-on bag. Now, in Australia, you're allowed to take liquids in your carry-on bag. Nowhere else in the world are you allowed to do that. 
But I'm sitting there with them in my carry-on bag, a couple of bottles of wine. This bag goes through and goes beep. And it's just then I've realised I've got the wine in. They're going to take that off me. But it went there and, and all of them have gone to have a look at the keys and the other bag's just gone <laughs> straight through. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you, God. Keep things hidden that you need to keep hidden and, you know. <laughs> You go through. But then this, this time in, in, in Adelaide, we, we jumped on board and I bought a box of books. There's books over there. Now, that, that was a journey getting them there, so you need to buy them. Um, the box of books, they're packed up in a proper book from the printer. The book's got a really funny title. It's called Take Your Framework and Stick It Up Your Pipeline. You're meant to laugh, right? <laughs> That's God's got a better way of doing things than we have. And uh, if you're not sure about that, wait till you finish, wait till I finish, because you'll know that he's got a better way. But we, we, we got through, we landed. So we had the Indian cricket team on our plane, which is really interesting because they said, uh, um, what's the captain's name? No, he's not the captain anymore of the T20. He's the other, the other one, right? Russia, whatever. But then on the plane they said, the captain's name, can you make yourself known? I'm thinking, he's the captain of the Indian team, how does he need to make it? Anyway, so make himself known. Uh, apparently he walked through the thing without getting scanned in. But So we're on the plane, it's been delayed, blah, blah, blah. We get to Melbourne, we get our first bag through the carousel, we get our second bag, but there was a box of books that we were bringing over. That didn't turn up. You know, Hmm. So go to Qantas baggage claim and uh, they said, no, it's there, it's on the carousel. I'm going, no, it ain't. But went back to the carousel, no, it wasn't there, went back, said it's not there and the kind lady from Qantas stormed out and said, I'll show you where it is and gets there and there's this box but it wasn't the box we packed. And I said, that's not our box. She said, yes, it is, it's tagged. And that's not the box we put on the plane. So she picked it up and uh, I said, well, can you open it? I'd like to see what's in that box, you know. And uh, so she went back in to the little office thing. She asked me to come in and I said, oh, can I film it? And she got upset at that and then uh, called the Australian Federal Police because, you know, this is going to be a good trip. Oh, Wonderful. And uh, <laughs> calls the, the police, and because apparently I was wanting to film her without her permission, and that's a breach of the act or something, something, something. Anyway, the, the police came and talked, and they said, you know, are, are they your books? And I pick up the box, and the bottom falls out the box. <laughs> and there's the books everywhere there. I asked one of the police if he reads, would he like a copy? He declined. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but you, you sit there and think, huh, sometimes we package things in a certain way. But God wants to reveal something else. You know, it, it, it was an interesting conversation because the duty manager on there because he's having to record all of this and then put in mountains of paperwork and do all the stuff they needed to do. But it's interesting that we packed the bag one way. Something happened to that bag change and even in worship I was looking at the ceilings that you've got here that look all really nice from where you're sitting 
and those on live stream, you can't see it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But then you look up here. You don't look too close because it's messy and all the things are hidden. But we've got this stuff. And, and sometimes our life's a bit like that. That on the outside, it looks good. But underneath that, there's some stuff that needs to be tidied up. So, we're good? So I've had a couple of interesting weeks. Any, any of you have heard of a football club called Essen Football Club? I'm a member of the Essen Football Club. Well, I'm not anymore. I had a bad couple of weeks when Andrew Thorburn, who's a Christian, gets appointed as a, to take a role as a CEO of a football club. But because he's a chairman of the board of a church, they then turned around and said, actually, your beliefs are in conflict with our beliefs and you can no longer have your job. Now, I thought long and hard over that over the last few weeks. And I thought, how did we get here? How do people outside the walls of this church view us? What do they say about us? And I think if you went out to the street or if you went to um, Shopping Town or if you went somewhere, where am I? Templestowe, doesn't matter. A shop somewhere. And you asked and said, what do you think of Christians? And the word's going to come out and go, well, they're bigoted. They're not welcoming. They don't like people. They're not fun. They're opinionated. And I thought about that and said, well, that's actually not the Christians I know. That's not the people I know. That's not the people that I've seen. I look at what you've done here and what Kelly's done with CareNet and helping and serving the community. Remember the last time we spoke, there was here, there was challenges about finding enough money to be able to give Kelly some money so she can live. And then you look at what's been created in that time of the service to the community and what we do. It's something truly to be celebrated, what you've done in this house, through CareNet, through the things that you've done. But why do people have those opinions? Like what are we carrying and what are we doing? So I thought I'd go to the Bible and see what it says about how we should live, which is probably a good place to start. And you can open your Bible. You could actually open it anywhere. It works well, no matter where you open it. But we're going to have a look through Romans. Romans 12. Who knows what Romans 12.2 says? Go on, anybody. Anyone? Romans 12.2. No one? Come on, you've all heard this before. Romans 12.2 says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But for Romans 12.2 to make sense... You need to read Romans 12, 1. 
because we miss a couple of things if we do it. Now, I might read the Bible a little differently because the Bible wasn't written with numbers. It didn't have them. They put them in there so it makes it easy for people like me <laughs> to say, go here instead of somewhere in the, in, in the book. The numbers weren't there. And we need to read beyond the numbers. We need to go, what does it say? And if you're in the Bible reading, I love Matt's Bible up here, like this one. Right? It's had some work. Right? It's had awesome. And that's what, it should, that's what a Bible should be. One that looks pristine. You know, in, in, in that church in Munter, we picked up a 130-year-old Bible. It's like, it's big. But it had been well-worn and used. It's, like, it's just, there was just something on it. It was, was funny because I opened two Bibles in the museum there, just flicked them open and they both opened the same verse, which I'm not, I won't preach on now. But so reach, you've got to read your Bible differently. You've got to continue to read to get right through the thoughts. Don't just cherry-pick a verse here and there. Continue to read. And if you see an if statement or a but statement or a therefore statement, try and figure out what the therefore is there for. You know, like Romans 12.1 starts with a therefore, which means you've got to actually read Romans 11 for Romans 12 to make sense. And for Romans 11 to make sense, you've got to read Romans 8. And for Romans 8 to make sense, you've got to read Romans 1 because they flow and they work through things. And then we, we, we look at the Bible and we say, oh, it's a timeline. No, it's God's timeline. He's in time and out of time. It, everything is woven together in this book of truth, this book that you can live your life by. But So let's go back to 12.1. And 12.1 says... Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Hang on a second. Wasn't worship just singing? What we were doing up here? Don't get me wrong, that was amazing. Bored in the presence of God. But what the Bible says is that everything you do is worship. Whether you're a mum, that's worship. A dad, that's worship. If you're a police person, because I'm not allowed to call them a policeman anymore for some reason. Press one. <laughs> so everything you do is worship. If you're a dad, that's worship. If you're a mum, it's worship. If you're a child, it's worship. If you're a police person, it's worship. If you're a politician, that's worship. If you're walking down the street, that's worship. If you're shopping in the supermarket, that's worship. I don't always get it right. I got it wrong on the plane as well because a steward came and said, oh, can I have your laptop? I need to put it up in the thing, in the overhead. And I looked at him because I looked across at the Indian cricketers and they've got iPads that are huge. I'm going, it's a little laptop. And I said, how come you're taking mine and not theirs? And 
He said, well, it's just the rules. And I said, well, the rules are stupid. <laughs> and I had a bit of an attitude attack. And then God had an attitude attack with me. He said, hmm, let everything you do is worship. Do you think the way you spoke to that man was worship? Do you think the way you treated him was worship? No, no, that wasn't good. So I went up to the, the steward and I said to him, Darren, before I'd, I was argumentative with you about putting the laptop up, I said, you were doing your job and doing the right thing and I was wrong and I'm sorry. Could you please forgive me? And Darren starts weeping. <laughs> right? He starts weeping. He goes, oh, I've never had anybody apologise to me before. But everything we do is worship. What if I'd left it and his view of me was a person that didn't care, that didn't love, that didn't treat kindly? Everything you do is worship. So let's go on. What does 12.3 say? For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted, allotted each a measure of faith. So God says he wants us to be humble. He wants us to esteem others above ourselves. He wants us to look at people. It doesn't matter whether they're a millionaire, a gazillionaire, whether they have nothing. That they're all welcome and we must esteem them. I was listening to Kelly talk before about where you're going with CareNet and this place of provision of food on the social enterprise, that it doesn't matter. People can come and shop there. It doesn't matter. People are going to be welcomed. And I think it's an awesome example. And then it goes on. It says, For just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. Well, that's good. We don't have the same job to do. If... Anna said, do I want a hand mic or do I want one of those radio mics on my head? Now, if I had one of those radio mics on and we were in worship and it was turned on, I would help you grow your church from here to about four people. <laughs> right? Some people can sing. Some people can play guitars. Some people can do drums, which is really good because I can't do any of those. We've got different roles to do. There's thing, different gifts that God's given us to do to be part of the body. Have you ever wondered, though, how musicians' brains work? I do. I don't sit them. They're playing a guitar. They've got foot pedals over here. They've got other devices there. They're singing, playing, dancing, doing all of that and still worshipping at the same time. I have enough trouble raising my hands and sing. It's like, oh, coordination. I don't know how their brains work. So then it goes on, five, it says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. The Lord said we actually are there to complete each other. We're there to add value to each other's thing. So whatever we're doing is actually for others' benefits. It's not for our own. And he continues, he says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, so whatever we've got, it's a gift. And it's a gift from God. Jane can paint. Like she paints extraordinarily beautiful things. I started painting. I used to joke that I couldn't paint a house. 
But then I did. I did it on canvas and painted a picture of our house because then I don't have to paint the other house, which is a good thing. <laughs> but I did a little bit of painting. Now, my painting isn't like Jane's, but I like them. I did post one picture and somebody said it looked like a Subway sandwich. But it was meant to be a landscape of the bush in South Australia. And they, anyway, oh, well, I liked it. Sometimes beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then God tells us how to live. So, you know, if any of you read Romans 12 too and then close the Bible, you miss the tips on how to live life out and what you're meant to do. He says, one of the gifts, if your gift is to prophesy, do it according to the faith that you've been given. He said, if it's in service, do it in serving. Or if your gift's teaching, teach. If he exhorts, do it with exhortation. And he who gives, with liberality. And he who leads, do it with diligence. Well, that one's an interesting one. I've got a few leaders at the moment because I, 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 you know, I, I can get a little bit... I, I, yeah, I'll go there. A whole lesson and thing. And to then watch the Premier of our state, well, your state now, not mine, um, <coughs> say that a Christian belief was wrong, was unbecoming and was irrelevant and some other words that he used. I went, really? Really? Doesn't he call himself a Catholic? Last time I looked, they're Christians as well. Don't do it, Hugh. He who leads, do it with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. So God's giving us direction on what our transformed mind should be like, on how we're meant to do things, how we're meant to walk through life, how we're meant to do it. It's not close the book when you've read the verse, do the rest. And then it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Jane's looking at me and she's going, don't go there. <laughs> there was a warning sign that was flashing, right? Don't do it. We live in a society where evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And it needs to change. It needs to come back to good is what is good and evil is what is evil. Was that okay, Jane? I didn't push that one too hard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honour. We've had the privilege the last couple of days of staying at our friend Phil's house. We've been friends for 30 years and we've come over... Uh, for our grandson's first birthday and they said come over let's have dinner and we did so we stayed there and then a bunch of friends that we knew we had we, we celebrated with and we did community together we sat around we laughed we had a, a good feed on over a couple of nights when you've got a group of 10 people at a table talking that can be really hard how do you give preference to one another but it was really interesting watching the discussion last night at dinner because it did, it moved around. 
the table and people got quiet to listen to others speak. And a dinner table with six is different than a dinner table with ten. And but the thing for me was it was still being built around community. It was all around community. Contribute to the needs of the states, saints and practising hospitality. That's 13. It's what we've been doing. And 14 says, bless those who persecute you and do not curse. I didn't think that one was very fair. There's some people that have persecuted me and I wanted to bless them. With a bit of fivefold ministry. <coughs> bless those who persecute you. For those that give you a hard time, we're actually meant to pray for them. We're meant to bless them. We're meant to honour them. Huh. That one's hard. I'll just scrub that out of the Bible. Is it just me? Or is some of you look at the Bible and go, ooh, I wish that wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That goes back to the first one. Three, honour others above yourself. Look for ways to uplift. I loved your, your thing about the encouraging others. We need to be a society that affirms people. Now, having said that, let me be careful because I'll qualify that statement because there is a, a thing around at the moment that we have to affirm everybody. And whilst I totally believe in affirmation, I believe that Jesus taught us to show unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness. And everybody is welcome. And then Jesus asks you to change. Because if your life isn't lined up with what he says, he then works with you to bring it back to what he says. Never pay back evil for evil. Oh God, that's that one again. Really? What if they're Collingwood supporters? Or resident now. <laughs> Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, who does it depend on? You. Be at peace with all men. I think that's what God was reminding me of when I was on the plane. He said, oh, you didn't do right there. So... 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, because it's written that vengeance is mine and he will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap moaning coals. Do not overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Now I wonder, 
But if we started living a life of good, of being the people that this talks about, of being the people that serve, of being the people that if you're at the supermarket checkout and you can actually find a person to serve you. Because I don't get that. You've got your own, you, 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 you've got your own um, shopping cart and now you check it out yourself and still get paid the same, still pay the same amount of money. Like, hang on, hang on, there used to be someone helping do this. They had jobs. And now I've got to do it myself and no, that doesn't make sense. But if you can find somebody there and you're checking out, speak to them. Don't just put your food on and grunt like a teenager. Like, speak to people. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Really appreciate it. Would you like bags for that for 15 cents? Yes, but I, why am I paying 15 cents? Men, when you go to the supermarket, take bags with you. You got it. Oh, that's planning. Yeah. Jane says, honey, they're in the boot of the car. <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh, that makes it simpler. Let's take one of those ones with fridgy things in them and they work. Be nice to people. Recognise them. Speak to them. Welcome them. Invite people into your home. Invite people for dinner. Even when they do you wrong. Like, what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be the sort of people that people say, oh, I want to be around them. I want to hang around those people. I want to see what they're like. What if your word of kindness is the miracle that somebody else needed? That you recognise somebody and you say thank you to them. And they'd been saying that morning, God, if you're real, will you bring someone in my path? What if that's you? What if the way you live your life is what we're meant to do in the community? That we're meant to show in the community what Jesus did on the cross for us? I love taking the communion. But it was what Jesus did at the cross for us. But how are we walking that out outside the walls of this church? It's fantastic that we come together on a Sunday. But what's Monday look like? What's Wednesday look like? What's Saturday look like? And what does next Sunday look like? What if you're meant to invite somebody along to church? We get comfortable and we sit in our own world and we come along to church. But what if we're meant to pick somebody up and bring them to experience extravagant worship, to experience the extravagant love of the Father? What if we're meant to be doing more so that the community doesn't say, well, those Christians, but they say, oh, I want what they have. Because we're meant to be salt and light to the world. We're meant to be the people that people go, I want to work for them. I want to be around them. Phil and I have travelled a bit together. 
He's one of those people that gathers people around him. We were in Spain and we were doing some breakout groups for dinner. And people had to choose who they could, you know, go out and have dinner with. There was about, I don't know, 100 people there. And I think 99 chose Phil. <laughs> because when you're around him, he's joyful. He's happy. He's building people up. He's walking as Christ told us to walk. He's developed an attractive personality that people like. And each one of you have that in you, to be that sort of person, to be the Pied Piper, to be, as you talk and do, walk through your day, that people come through it. So what if God's asking you to be more? What if it's in school? You know, if you're still a student, if you're a teacher, you can be nice too. It's okay. <laughs> What if God's asking you to do something more? What if the seeds today is that what is life like outside? Time for one quick story. You all know Gary Morgan. Gary and I were travelling together and we went to Dubai. And in Dubai... ..we land... We get picked up in a town car, nice black car. We were doing a leadership um, conference there. Now, Gary was the main speaker and I was c- carrying his bags, so to speak. And uh, we're, we've driven and we're in sand. And all you can see is sand. And you look and sand. They could have been driving in circles for all I know. They haven't got a clue. All, there was no point of reference. There's no buildings. And it's sand and hot. But it was sand. Until, and we were about two hours in the car, so, you know, a 15 and a half hour flight, two hours in the car, and uh, we arrive at the, uh, we come around a corner, <laughs> sand, except there's one of those oasis things. You know, I'm thinking it's a mirage, but no, it's, you know, it's palm trees and ponds and camels and hotels, and it was beautiful, just stunning. We get there and we get, get to get our, our rooms. And then they realised they hadn't booked me a room. That's all right. Um, so I get to share a room with a, a guy called Francois. So we're sharing a room. I'd never met Francois before. But that's all right. And uh, we do the first session of leadership and then go to bed. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear whack, whack, a big bang, bang on the door. And I'm... Awake. And uh, so I go and have a look. I get up and have a look. And you know how you look through those little holy things? Isn't it funny when you watch, them, watch movies, right? And they knock on the door and you look through the little holy thing? Well, just put the gun in the hole and just go bang. And it's like, <laughs> like, how secure is that? Okay, I've got a weird brain. Anyway. But I look through a little holy thing and there's this big hulking thing outside the door with sort of stuff out of its shoulders and blonde hair and it's like, and I'm scared. I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't even know where I am, let alone because we got picked up, don't know where I am, there's this big thing outside the door. And I go, oh, I'll 
go back in. I thought, I'll go and wake Francois and ask him to have a look. And then I'm thinking, no, he'll think I'm stupid. So he's in bed. I'm like, oh. So I didn't. I went back to the door. And the thing started moving and hearing... I'm even more scared at this point in time. So I go back in and go, okay, I'm going to wake Francois up. No, went back to the door. I understood what fear of the Lord means. It's like, okay. Go to wake Francois and I come back. And it's, and I hear the, the voice, are you ready yet? Wow. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I went down for, for breakfast and Gary's sitting there having breakfast. And he's, he's on his own, so it's 8.30, we're meant to be starting at 9. It was about 80, 90 people, whatever. Nobody else is there. So I'm talking with Gary. He said, how'd you sleep? And I recite the story to him. And he said, you know what you described was the angel to the treasury of heaven? Bob Jones used to see that angel all the time. And I'm going, was Bob Jones scared? Because <laughs> I was. And Gary said, why didn't you open the door? Because I was scared. <laughs> you mean why didn't I open the door? What a stupid question. I was scared. And then the guy we were speaking for came down. So it's just the three of us. He says to Gary, oh, Gary, how'd you sleep? And Gary said, yeah, really well. I said, Hugh, how did you sleep? And I, I started telling him, he said, oh, wait, 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 wait. I had this dream about you last night. He said, I had this dream that you were in bed and then this, the angel of the Lord came out and knocked on your door and you were too scared to open the door. And I'm thinking, shut up. <laughs> like, he said, why didn't you open the door? Because I was scared. Huh? I ring Jane, because it was a funny story. I ring Jane to tell her. And Jane says, why didn't you open the door? I ring Pete McHugh. You know, we've travelled life with Pete. But Pete's awesome. You know what Pete said? Why didn't you open the door, right? Like, really, guys, have some sympathy for me here. I was scared silly. But I wonder if God's been standing there for you. And he's asking you to do something. And he's asking you to be the person you're meant to be. The walking, living example of what Jesus says to do. I wonder... Whether you haven't opened the door because you've been a little bit scared. I wonder whether today's the day 
that you could open that door. You could step into what God's asking you to step into. You could be that walking, living example. Just think about that for a second. And just before I get you all to pray, and I'll get you all, I'll pray for all of you, but you could all pray as well. Lady in the, the blue top, you, you both got blue tops on, the other blue top, that one, yeah. Um, so I feel the Lord's about to take you, what's your name, I'm sorry? Ruba? Ruba, I, I feel the Lord's about to take you on an adventure. Um, I feel he's taking you into a place of, of supernatural favour because the adventure you're going on will be into different nations, will be into different places. You've got a really strong evangelical call on your world and your heart's been breaking to go on missionary trips, to go and do stuff, to see the signs, wonders and miracles. And I feel the Lord saying that you are that sign, wonder and miracle. He said that what you're going to do is going to be an outpouring of who you actually are. You are that walking sign, wonder and miracle. And I saw him putting supernatural provision around you because you haven't gone on stuff because you didn't have stuff to go with. And I feel that, you know, I kept hearing the word Costa Rica. And I feel that around that region, around the Central America's region, the Lord is just going to shine and open some doors for you. I feel that the... the he said it's going to be like a party wherever you go. There'll be a vibrancy, there'll be a life, there'll be signs, wonders, miracles, there'll be people that'll be talking. But it's going to be an adventure. And it's an adventure of stepping out. Adventure of doing something different than what you thought. You know, God's good. All the time. And it doesn't matter whether you're three years old, 93 or older. That he's still got a plan and a purpose. It could be the person you speak to straight after here today that needs you to be their miracle. Can we all stand? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are good all of the time. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. Lord, I thank you that you want us to be a shining example. That you want us to be an example to the world of how good you are. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And if I was talking and sharing the story in Dubai, 
And God says, are you ready? If you feel that that was for you, why don't you come to the front? We're going to pray, lay hands and pray for you, for you, with and for you. That was you. If you felt that God was saying, hey, are you ready? Are you ready to do what I'm asking you to do? Are you ready to be in a different place? And if you were like me, and you didn't want to open the door because you were scared, is now that time? That's you. Just come up the front and we'll just pray for you. Because God's good. God is good. Thank you. And, you know, he's doing something now. Even in our midst right now. He's calling and saying, are you ready? It's a big world out there. And we've all got our part to play. Because, you know, we only have one enemy and it's not each other. And God's calling us to bring the best of our ability for the benefit of other people. God is saying that he wants us to come together of uniformity of Jesus or a unity in Jesus, not a uniformity of theology. We have a part to play to bless each other. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your love in this place. We thank you that even in this moment now, Lord, that from the start of walking in, Lord, you had a plan and a purpose, that you were unlocking and awakening and you were changing people, Lord. You are adding into people's worlds. Lord, I thank you for the call. I thank you for your call. Just wait a couple of minutes there. Let's just think the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, more. Fill more just more hmm. more well thank you so much for joining us today my name is Anna I trust that during the service God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your saviour, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected? We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.